Hey, let's go. Let's go live and see what's going on here. Oh my, good afternoon everyone. Hopefully everything is well. BC here and welcome to my 103rd, wow. 103rd episode of the BC Tech Tuesday and I'm here in, at EV West in San Marcos, which is pretty cool. Very far away from Ontario, but running around picking up pots like, like crazy. So it's pretty, pretty interesting and I may look vi vibrant, but I'm very tired. Hello, David. Good afternoon. Zol, FG2. Hello. Blastinofus. Good seeing you. Hello, R35R13. Good seeing you. M40th. Thumb up to you as well, and good afternoon. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining as well. Really appreciate all the support as I archive our interaction. Jimmy, head trips. I know. It's pretty crazy, right? I've already started. It's okay. I can, I, I'll make this work. Appreciate that. Thank you. Everyone here is so nice. Hello, FXNLXY. Yeah, those actually, those are um, EV batteries, not hybrid. Um, oh, thank you. Welcome back, David. We missed you indeed. South Africa's in the house. Leon, good seeing you. Jim Genghis Khan, hello. Hello, New York Paul. Greetings, Fox Design Paul. Good seeing you as well. Jen, builds are coming along very well. I have um, five builds so far. Three are done. Two left. <laughs> which is crazy. Hello, Chubara. Hello, Jimmy Head Trips. Thank you so much, Dad Boy Penna. Thank you so much. And you know what? It's down to the wire. We're gonna have quite a bit of uh, sleepless nights. The guys here at EV West have been fantastic and great supporters of our cause. So I look forward to doing some really cool future stuff with them as well. Emil Lopez, good afternoon. Good seeing you. PCA, good seeing you. Yes, Waggle Van fan. I'm wearing a Waggle Van shirt today. I will drive. Hello, Andy. Andy, without you, I'd be in trouble. I really appreciate you, Andy. Molly's in the house from West Africa, where I'm from. Thank you so much for joining. City, it's beautiful. I, I did some crazy stuff. It's the first time that I didn't go inside an engine. So it's very, very exciting to do things that are outside of Power Plant and still creating great opportunity. Thank you so much, Jimmy. I have it on the website. Kuwait's in the house. Wow, I, all this international love. Mali, Kuwait, Germany. South Africa, I really love it. Brazil now. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate that, guys. And next week, ah, Berlin is in the house too. Thanks so much, Gorilla Photography. Good seeing you. Next week, I would do a special Tech Tuesday live from SEMA. And we'll walk around. We'll look at all the projects we have going on. We'll look at some of the projects for my partners here at EV West. We're going to do some really crazy stuff and all the booths. So make sure you go to Toyota Tread Pass. Make sure you go to Hyundai's booth. Dynapack, very, very big one at Dynapack. And last but not least, you won't believe this, absolutely amazing. We'll have an opportunity to visit the AM filtration booth for a 6 sick vehicle. Hello, Tubo Smart. It's going crazy, and thanks for your support this year. Christopher Spicer in San Diego. I'm not too far away from you. Bronx, New York's in the house. Thank you so much, 2JZ, for doing that. Mark5 Andrews asking, hey, BC, when you turbo an engine with an intake manifold, with vacuum activated butterfly valves, do the butterflies open right away instead of a factory 4,000 RPM? So I do tend to play with that because plenum volume does significant impact on breathability and also horsepower. So depending on the manifold design, I can play around with that. I've done cars as low as 1,800. I've opened cars up, especially Porsches, as high as 6,800. So it depends on that crossover. The key thing is to be able to allow improved breathability for much wider torque opportunities and if those butterflies affect the length of the runner 
we're always trying to capture the second harmonic, right? Second wave harmonic in terms of intake pulsing. So you know that longer runners tend to, for that second harmonic wave we try and capture, tend to give much more appealing or appeal for lower, for higher RPM, lower RPMs, I say. And the shorter the runners, the more higher RPM breathability. So you have to find that sweet crossover spot to be able to have a torque curve that can benefit you on low and high RPMs, you know? Silly O Willie has his Beast and Motor shirt on. Thank you so much, David. Yes, SEMA is bananas. It's going to be a crazy SEMA, the best ever. I have projects that are very different where I didn't touch the engine. So that stretched me in terms of botons. I have a project that is focused on the future of mobility, which is crazy. I have another project that is the most advanced Porsche I've ever done from a petrol perspective. It's absolutely amazing. And I have another one that's more of a generational improvement on a concept that we have taken from Porsche and made even more better. Or more Porsche, I'd say. Tunisia. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for joining Yasin. All this international love. I really appreciate that, guys. Oh, thank you so much. Greetings. Tell Scott I said hi as well. BC diecast by Vroom. Awesome. Wow. Turks and K and Sesos Island. Thank you so much. By all means, we have plenty. I know that tax season is great, great for you D-Series guys. We're going to have plenty for you. My pleasure indeed, Mark 5 Andrew. Leo's asking, how's the SEMA project going? What's the latest? Three are done. So I have a couple of Hyundais and a Porsche done. And I have two more to be done. So I'm hoping that one will be done on Friday, another one on Sunday, right in time. You know? Are any of the builds in Beast Motor Blue? This year, no. Some hints, but nothing of proper boot color. Welcome, Mike. Good seeing you indeed. Brazil's in the house. Tito, the blue bully. Will I have a booth at SEMA? No, I won't physically have a Beast Motor booth. I will have vehicles in the Toyota Trepass, at Hyundai's booth, a couple there. I'll have one at AEM k and Induction, and Dynapack Dynamo Meters. What's new on the Porsche project for Rod? Leon, some sick stuff. Some new technology, some new fabrication, and the front end is bananas. So, by all means, when you're at SEMA next week, go take a look at the AEM Induction booth, right next to k and They share the same space, same company entity. You will love what Rod and I have done. And the guys from Race Service and Conifer and all the other guys, you know? Do you have any info or advice for, for CRZ models? Plenty. That engine has tons of potential. Do not swap it to a K. The L15, that engine has a ton of potential. We made 533 on ours. The gearbox doesn't get happy north of 350, but there are many supercharger and turbo kits you can get out there. And by all means, try keep the hybrid setup. The integrated motor assist lends very well to power. And also, it's your starter, in addition to that, an absorption unit to allow it to recharge the batteries. And believe it or not, I find it's a wonderful power adder. And something I want to play with next year a lot more than we have in the past. Adam Bendob, good seeing you. Oh, don't cry, Paul. Please forgive me, you know. Um, AJ Thompson from the UK, good seeing you. He's asking, hey, BC, what would be the specs for internal engine parts to achieve high torque with the highest torque-to-power ratio, CAM, valve chain returning assembly? So, to have a high torque-to-power ratio opportunity, um, turbocharging nowadays with modified aerodynamics lends a very, very huge opportunity. We played around with some turbocharging last week on something very experimental. So we can play around with that, but internal engine components, you want something that's very robust in terms of piston land design. So you want to bring that ring land a little bit down so you can have some very, very nice, I would say, stability and integrity on the piston dome. And above and beyond that, a long rod. What I've noticed is that even with engines that have relatively small cross-sectional area for ports, 
you can see significant advantages with having a long rod assembly. Meaning, the longest rod you can stuff in your engine. It doesn't. I don't care if you have to move the pin up far into your ring land and use either rails or buttons. It does wonders. So you must explore that. It's very, very important indeed to do that. Um, head port is very important as well. Camshafts are key. If you widen that lobe separation, you can get a lot of torque. And high RPMs, that tends to work against us. So you want to narrow that back to give you a flatter torque curve. So you have a cam control that helps significantly. So I hope I'm not losing a lot of people here with that. But, you know. Um, Sugoi Media is asking, the white Porsche will look totally different in a week. Can't wait. It looks different. You won't believe. I'm going to post a before and after at SEMA. So you guys can see the ridiculous transformation of that white Porsche. You would not believe it, you know? I promise you, Leon, I'll post mad pics indeed. Hello, Apoc. Good seeing you. Hello, James. Africa. Good seeing you. Alfie. Good afternoon. Panama's in the house. Good seeing you. Jael Johnson. I think it's Kyle Johnson. A little bit of play on words. That's asking, have you ever thought of doing a diesel build? Not necessarily a truck. Love your work. Genius stuff. Thank you so much. Yes, I've been thinking about genius. I've been thinking about uh, diesel builds because of the influence from you guys. So I've getting a lot of requests for making that happen. But manufacturers that I partner with quite a bit are shying away from that. So what I'm noticing is that most manufacturers are seeing diesels as, dare I say, a dirty way of proportion. As I talk to my partners at Hyundai, at Toyota, at American Honda, with Porsche, as I talk to these people in, 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 in engineering and executive positions, everyone's moving more towards what you see back here, EV technology. So... As much as I would love to do some diesel stuff to appease many of you who have interest in seeing us do something crazy, I was even talking to Dan from Hoonigan about that a moment ago, a couple of days ago. Because the OEMs are going towards this, it looks like something that I will have to pay more attention to as well. Yeah, please do agree, Scott, for me, indeed. Is there a way to gain horsepower on the 2012 Civic SI without a tuner? Yes, there is. So addressing some of those restrictions or bottlenecks, intake, exhaust manifold, and a proper exhaust high-flowing system, those are ways to do that, and using a proper oil. A lot of people don't think that oil is a performance part, but it can be. As you think about what oil does, it lubricates and also cools, but also, if you have oils that have very high lubricity, for lack of a better word, it can release power by reducing some of the internal friction that you may see with conventional oil. So, by doing that, you can increase power significantly without the need of a tuner, but a flash will help you significantly, but if you're trying to stay away from that, Intake, a downpipe, definitely because, you know, it doesn't have a header. It has an integrated head. That one downpipe can help you t significantly, indeed. Hello, Garcia. Pansersen. Good seeing you. Sin. What double valve spring do you recommend for K20? Definitely the beast motor ones we have. And we have them in two stages. We have for natural aspirated and for boosted. Because as you can imagine, in boosted applications, not only do you have to deal with the dy dynamics of the valve train, the weight of the valve, the weight of the rocker assembly, and so on and so forth, you now have boost as an added variable. So you need to be able to have a valve spring that can keep harmonics, damaging harmonics at bay, while also allowing you to keep boost where it belongs and not pushing past your valves when you don't want it to. My pleasure indeed, Foxman. Any nice cars to get under $5,000? Old school Miata. Those are pretty cool. Um, a CRZ. We'll just talk about that as a hybrid that's out there. That's a little... You know, little hot hatch. And believe it or not, I was talking to my team about that this weekend. RSXs are pretty cool cars to get at that price as well. 
Um, you may be lucky enough to find a really clean 914 Porsche, <laughs> which you can do some cool stuff with, but yeah. Sub is asking what parts we have available for a Vossler after SEMA. Down, high flow, downpipe, intake, intercooler, clutch assembly, flashing solutions, and a very clever take on the valve system on the Veloster N performance package. So a ton of parts, and you won't believe the power you can get from that. That car has so much potential, and I'm very honored to be part of that build. SEMA is next week, Uri Parse 2024. Um, we load up on Monday, and it's Tuesday through Friday of next week. Hello, Anwar. Hello, Robert. Good seeing you. DJ Ramarov, greetings. I still have your intake at the, at the shop. Oh, my God. Would you build a pre-run trophy truck or trucks SUV using a Kia Telluride? I would love to. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't mind using the Hyundai version of that since I, you know, Kia and Hyundai are sister companies, but they tend to operate in silos, so I deal mostly with the Hyundai side. So, um, most likely, it would be the Hyundai version of that large SUV. Stay tuned next year, you never know. Because I kind of want to do something on the SUV side. If I don't do a crazy corner next year, maybe I'll build one of those large CUVs or SUVs for them. Artists asking, what cars do I plan on bringing to SEMA? Without letting too much of the cat in the bag, there are two Hyundais and three Porsches. Garcia53091 is asking, on my S2000 AP1 clutch flywheel setup, would you recommend? Look at ACT, OEM spoon. What are the cons and pros of lightweight flywheel? What do you think about XD stage one or two? Great question, and I'll, I'll help you tremendously, Garcia. Go with action. Give them a call. Action clutch. That's why I use on everything from my Hondas to Hyundais to Porsches. Doesn't matter. Those guys are really good and they can make custom things for you and match your clutch to what you need. Now, I talked about flywheels last week, but let's touch upon that again. Think about what the flywheel has to do. It has a daunting task of dampening pulses that come out of the internal combustion engine. Let's focus on, let's say, a four-cylinder engine. You know that cool crankshaft thing that looks kind of weird that sits on the bottom of the engine? Well, all the crankshaft does is a very good job of turning up and down movement into rotational. Up and down movement being your pistons. You know how the internal combustion engine is this device that allows you to have pulses and it's like a glorified energy converter. Takes the chemical energy of oxygen in the air and fuel and through combustion turns to heat energy and through the pistons having work done on the crankshaft turns to mechanical energy. Well, that crankshaft as it turns from the jolting up and down of the pistons and rods doesn't come very smoothly into your drivetrain. It comes in jolts, and you need something to dampen those jolts. A flywheel does that. So you have this large flywheel, it's like a big disc, almost like a big rotor. And it's very heavy, and that mass, that, that, that heavy mass of the flywheel dampens it so that it turns very smoothly. Now here's the caveat. That weight is the enemy of performance. So it's crazy guys that love performance, want things to be very lightweight. So what do we do? We lighten our flywheel. And what that does, it gives you excellent acceleration. For natural aspirated cars, the cars accelerate like that. For boosted cars, it spools even quicker. It can also fall out of boost, so you better shift very quickly. But the challenge is this. Now your dampening is reduced slightly. And what does that mean? It means that when you put your AC on, it's a little rougher. Your idle may be a little bit rougher and so on and so forth. But I don't mind. Now my grandfather probably would have liked that because he wants a smooth ride in his vehicle. 
But for his performance, guys, I don't mind a slightly rougher idle. So the pros are acceleration, faster car, better performance, amazing, right? Even in drag racing, I think I showed my, I talked about my flywheel last week. It's a six-pound flywheel. It's an like aluminum flywheel with windows cut out the back. Very lightweight. So even drag racing, I get great 60 foots, very fast, amazing. In turbo cars, my wagon with action clutch assembly spools like that. But here is the slight challenge. You have a slightly rougher idle, which doesn't matter. And if you have a newer car, your S2000 won't do that, but if you have a newer SI um, or Type R, it may come up as a, it may show up as a misfire code on the car, which you can eliminate. And the reason why, because how most cars are determined if misfire is happening is if the flywheel kind of jolts a little bit. So it picks up the 60 minus two wheel pickup as a slight jolt as a misfire. So you have to disable that through software, turning software and you're good. But I love it. All my cars have them. Do it. You will find it very appealing. What do you think about Wheel Labs? I'm not familiar with that company. Forgive me, Anwa. Alex is asking, can you work for us? Of course. We may be hiring first quarter of next year, so keep in touch. Let's make some things happen. I need great people on my team. On behalf of those who ask, has, says David, thanks for all the great responses and information on these questions. I appreciate that. Um, I can't stay too long because I'm still running around. I have so much more to do. Picking up some parts here and some more parts to pick on the way back to Los Angeles. So it's going to be crazy. Miglia lost my accent. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Italy's in the house. Whoa, Chris, you're in Italy. So for those of you who don't know Chris, he's a great guy, great enthusiast. I've known him since he worked for Mercedes and now he works for Ferrari. And uh, he's in Italy. Travel safely, my friend. we we'll see you when you come back. I don't know if you'll be back in time to come to SEMA to hang out with us. New York City is in the house, courtesy of Motorsports Detailing. Good seeing you. What happened to MR2? It's in the office. My goal is to build it next year. I am one guy with a great team. Already five cars kicking my butt this year. I can't build everything at the same time, so forgive me. Motorsports Detailing, have patience, but the AW11 is going to come out, and I can't wait to put it out there. What comes into account when determining the length and plenum size for an intake manifold as well, run length for a turbo manifold. Very simple. Believe it or not, turbochargers and natural aspiration respond the same way to intake runner lengths. As a matter of fact, as I sit here at my, with my friends at EV West, I am breathing air courtesy of 14.7 psi. So atmospheric pressure is a little bit over 14 psi. It's one bar, one atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. So we're breathing with atmospheric pressure. If I didn't have this pressure, my lungs, my lungs will collapse, my skin won't feel as great, my eyes will hurt. So we're breathing. So when you're turbocharging, believe it or not, it's pretty much a natural aspirated setup, pressurized. Intake harmonics plays a role because when your intake valve closes, it sends a wave, call it damn near a pressure wave, down the tract. When it gets to the end of the tract, it reflects back towards the valve. Now here's the cool thing about intake length. If you have the proper intake length and it's timed properly, that reflection can come back and compound with a previous reflection and create an environment of inertia supercharging, allowing more air to come in, especially during overlap periods on your camshafts. So what does that mean? Certain intake lengths are very, very advantageous to horsepower and RPM because of inertia supercharging or air getting into the engine more than what you're ingesting either turbocharged or atmospheric pressure. So. What determines that? There are algorithms I've developed from years ago where I want to capture the second harmonic. There's second, third, fourth, fifth wave harmonics. The higher the number, the weaker. In theory, can you find a first wave? Maybe, but 
I can't figure it out. So second wave harmonic is the strongest pulse that gives you the strongest one. And I have an algorithm that allows me to determine based upon RPM, what length I need to have my intake manifold. And if I have variable runners, even better. And I use it for ITBs, for turbocharging. The only caveat where I have to look at other pulsation um, or other um, harmonics um, or waves is if I have limitations with my engine bay. In that case, I cannot capture the second harmonic. I may have to look at the third or fourth. But there are some harmonic calculators online, which are kind of close to what I figured out years ago, but I use my own algorithms to do that. Cross-sectional area has a lot to do with the displacement of the engine. Hello, Porsche Mentality. Good seeing you. Things are going great. Canada's in the house. Derek, thank you so much for joining us. I want you to build my Veloster after I met you and ask how you like Oh, I remember you, Sub. Sub, you're going to love me. We made so much power. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but my Veloster now is ridiculous. I will be more than happy to help you, you know? Why does manufacturer Porsche recommend to change your oil every 15,000 miles using Mobile One and PR recommends to change at 5,000 miles and it's a better oil? Well, here's the thing. Because Porsche wants to sell you engines. So, with the 15,000 mile change, <laughs> with the 15,000 mile change, you know what happens? If you take apart your engine after a few miles, it doesn't look very good. And plus, most filters, here's where it gets crazy. After about 6,000 miles, most filters tend to deteriorate and bypass oil, so it doesn't clean very well. Porsche is in the business of creating cars that you can buy, use for X amount of miles, and trade and get another Porsche. That is not the best thing to do. Even on my cars, I change my payroll stuff at uh, 6,000 miles. I've done a, don't recommend this unless you have the discipline. I've done a 17,000 mile test on payroll, but I changed my filter every 7,000, 67,000 miles. And the oil was awesome after analysis. So the reason why they recommend that is it's purely business, to get you to buy cars more. And that's it. If you have the discipline of change your oil filter, you can do the same thing. But you know what? I love my cars, and dirt is the enemy of performance. Let me move this around. There's a vehicle coming across here. Tow truck. Okay, maybe I'm okay. All right. I think I'm okay. okay. All right. Why is it difficult to get these more parts for a Honda D60Z6? It's not difficult. It's online. You can just order, and it'll come through. Um, oh, thank you so much, David. Thank you, Mia. Can you guys hear me? Let me know if you have a hard time hearing me because there's a truck right in front of me. Hello, all the way from the UK, Daryl. Good seeing you. Barney Bradford says, have I tested shavers versus PR? Yes, I have. PR have more power and better shear stability. Sal, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate you seeing me. Best ET in my CRX. Um, I had an F22A. I got to 9.7 before I switched over to the inside. 9.7 was my best time. Hello, lag. Let me know if you guys can still hear me because there's a truck right here in front of me making noise. Hello, Tony. Tony, good seeing you. Hello, Fernando. Hello, club. Good seeing you indeed. Great questions today. I appreciate that. Can you guys still hear me properly? Let me know. So Ian's asking, by all means, the fact that Pure has a, the fact that, yes it is, Pure is superior because the fact that Pure has a combination of group four and group five, oh good, group four and group five base stocks is not just one or the other. Hello Sabre, good seeing you. A little noise in my back, good, 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 thank you so much. So what I saw versus 
what I thought with Pure All was that it had very strong stability, more power, and absolutely fantastic. So, especially for the price, and it's made here in the USA, not in Belgium. Even though I don't have a against Belgium. Um, take on Vibrant, I like Vibrant stuff. I use Vibrant all my stuff, the HD clamps, the materials, I like that Vibrant stuff. I don't have any challenges whatsoever. Rob Boy's asking, was I in Fastest Car? Documentary, yes, first season, episode one. Daniel's asking, have I ever worked on F4R engines? No, I have not, not yet. Louis, thank you so much. Ah, ha. Ah. So, Nick Russ is asking, have I returned A2000s? Um, I do work with um, American Honda directly, and I've tuned hundreds of boosted S2000s. Not a few, but hundreds of them. What's better for day driving? K20, turbo, or supercharged? It depends. If you love the feel of a natural aspirated setup, you will go with turbo, um, supercharged. The supercharged feels like a big NA setup. But if you love the capability of more modulation, we can control power based upon gears, and you want the ability for ease of expansion in the future, turbocharging is the way to go. I turbocharge almost every car I have, you know? Legend of Kings asking a great question. Talk about some piston dual benefits as well as touring piston benefits, please. By all means, Legend. The enemy of performance in an internal combustion engine is friction. Weight is a big one, but friction, you have so much power loss. I'm sorry, this thing is so loud in front of me. You have so much power loss with friction. So, one way to make power is by reducing the friction from the rings. And there's big power in that. So on my race engines, I tend to run two ring pistons a lot. So that being said, if you remove one ring, which is ideally the second scraper ring, you can get away with a top ring and an oil ring and not have any problems whatsoever. If you want to run even more power opportunity ring package, use a low tension oil ring. But you want to use a vacuum pump so you don't get a lot of damaging oil into the combustion chamber. Now when it comes to dwell, long rods help with that significantly. So by having dwell at top of the piston, you know how your piston turns with a crank, you have a long rod and it dwells at bottom dead center and top dead center much longer. When you dwell on the bottom, you have more time for cylinder filling, which gets more clean intake, air, and fuel that allows for better combustion and more power. When you dwell up top a lot, you have more angles for you to be able to have a better burn, and more dwell up top with more burn allows you for more heat, which allows for more power. This is a win-win no matter what we do. I see I'm losing people probably because of the noise I have here. I'm so sorry. Um, well, I should probably come back another time because I guess this is quite disturbing. Um, answer your question real quick about Garcia about does a light flywheel affect top end speed or momentum? Does it affect handling? Do you think about fuel to very safe about chamber and clean? Do you recommend any? So Garcia, yes, light flywheels affect your speed by making it go faster, get there quicker. It affects momentum because you don't have that heavy mass to accelerate. So from a performance perspective, it's a huge benefit. In terms of additives, I'm not a huge advocate of them because most additives have this weird magnesium added to it as an anti-knock agent, especially those, what do you call those? Those crazy octane boosters. So, I'm not magnesium, manganese. And when you put your plugs like a reddish brown, it's not very good. 
So that being said, I'm okay with injector cleaners, but not okay with any additives that allow you to increase octane. I'd rather you go with a fuel that is better octane and something of that nature. Oh, thank you so much. Garcia they can hear me, but keep going. I'm sorry, there's really a tow truck. I'll show you, there's a tow truck right next to me here. Right there. See? <laughs> so that's what's making the noise. I, I really apologize, guys, so sorry. When am I making more F-23 gaskets? Um, because of the lack of demand, I won't be making any more memo. I'm so sorry. Do I know of any code intakes for the 2012 INS? Comes to a no, I do not. I don't know if any of those at this time. But guys, um, yeah, it looks like this noise is gonna stop anytime soon. So I'll go ahead and excuse myself. But thank you so much. I'm gonna head back to the office. I know it's pretty loud. I'm heading back to the office. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, keep working for SEMA, get things going. But thank you for joining me on this Tech Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed yourself. And see you next week in Las Vegas at SEMA. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye bye.